Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of The Good Shit. This one is a pretty personal childhood genital thing. Just a little trigger warning. I mean, the description for The Good Sheet, sheet, The Good Shit, is already trigger warning everything. So I don't feel like I need to really explain that any further. But for this one, uh, even more so, even more so because it's, it's just very vivid. It's very vivid and very visceral. And the question around it is really everything to do with the trans experience and how you can feel like the wrong sex in in your body how can your experience feel different to your body how can you not be your body what is the part of you that exists so strongly outside of your actual body and the conversation around and this is one that I think TERFs have a lot of the time, trans-exclusionary ex- trans radical feminist TERFs. I feel like I need to explain that acronym because TERF almost sounds like a like a rude word, <laughs> but it's actually an acronym. I suppose it's so t- two birds, one stone. Um, and the conversation around detransitioning and, oh, people are just trans because of sexism. And it's just like, you know, I'm just going to tell you my experiences and you can decide whether that sounds like something someone would go through just because of, you know, sexism, whatever that might mean at the time of someone being four or five, six years old or whatever, or whether that is actually a thing. Maybe we really have no explanation for it as of yet, but it does seem to be very much uh, an intrinsic visceral thing so let me start with a bunch of frankly peculiar anecdotes that even I myself forget about sometimes and when I remember it's like oh my goodness and that and that happened and that happened and it's extremely visceral visceral Um, now I think the background to this the context is quite important which is when I was a child, I was in a relatively conservative sort of upbringing. And of course, trans was not a thing. Gay was not a thing. I could not have had any information on this as a child. And I didn't. I didn't have until I was much older. So the whole argument of, oh, I saw this rainbow person on YouTube and I want to be like them, so I'm going to be trans, certainly, most certainly, 100% does not apply to me. That might be a conversation in its own right with someone else, but it's not a conversation for me, about me, with me. So bear that in mind. Right, where to start? Um, I will start with uh, a concept around not just trans things. This is just sexuality. I think a lot of people can relate to this. Even today, this is a <laughs> major theme of the human condition, is sexuality generally and how when you're a kid 
everyone is just triggered and is trying to hide and whether it means cover your genitals whether it means you don't have a word for your genitals whether it means you don't know what sex means whether whether it means you don't know how children are made or whether it just means you notice that adults have this weird caginess about these topics and that in itself makes them weird because you don't know what they are so i had no exposure to like a proper sexual education in any sense i had a sister so actual sort of physical exposure to boys and their genitals was super limited it did happen uh you know by accident i guess um, but as you'll find out later on it happened kind of on purpose as a result of that from my part uh but first it was just about referring to them and I did not have a word for any of this. Uh, and my sister and I devised, frankly, an absolutely hilarious uh, way of naming these things that for some reason had no name. So we referred to penises as a hanging thing, a hanging thing, and to our clits, small hanging thing. <laughs> A small hang- a hanging thing and a small hanging thing. And the hilarious thing I think is absolutely mind-blowing is that you've got this history of awkward academics trying to look into genitals and figure out what they are. And a freaking child, okay? A child with absolutely not even a name for anything, not even a name for what these things are, has got the absolute visceral insight of what it actually is. And of course, that is pretty much exactly what it is. And our child intuition encapsulated perfectly the vast description of the anatomy and development and everything of these body parts uh, in males and females. And, 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 and it's that child insight that I think is so valuable and interesting to explore in these let's say, trans experiences, certainly my own. Now, the second part to this, you know, what are these body parts uh, anecdote is actually about feeling drawn to this lack of knowledge around genitals and sex. And it was a weird combination of having a very strong internal feeling around what my genitals should be and I knew what they felt like I I knew what it felt like but I didn't really know what it looked like I didn't really know anything about it I just knew just the basic feeling of having it and I would go to kindergarten and this actually happened I think me and this boy had this let me see what's in your pants thing under the table (laughs) with my sister witnessing it (laughs) and it was just it wasn't a sexual thing because I was just trying to figure out what that even means to begin with it was more of a I actually really want to know like you know just literally so curious kind of driven by this internal sense of there is something that is kind of a big deal that is to do with my own genitals. 
And so I looked and I, I just, you know, I think there was no way for me to interpret that feeling, but it was definitely a feeling of familiarity with something that was removed from me, where you're just drawn to it because it is familiar, because you feel it, because it's yours. But at the same time, you don't have an intellectual picture of it or a description of it or understanding of it. It's just an internal feeling. And I would be quite drawn to that. And I remember once there was this baby at kindergarten. It was too young to be there. But I guess someone left him there temporarily because they had no choice. And so someone was changing his nappy. And as we were escorted out of the room, I just caught a glimpse of his genitals. And I just had this shooting, shooting feeling of fixation. And one must have been jealousy of thinking, how come this baby has the right parts and I don't? This baby who doesn't even have self-awareness yet has this thing and I'm here going crazy over my own body and what's going on with my genitals. A very difficult experience to go through as a child when you just can't even explain. I think even as an adult, it's quite difficult to explain, especially when you can barely really remember the circumstances at the time. You know, the, the child experience is so strong and and unrelenting and visceral. Now, related to that internal feeling of really knowing what my body should feel like. Nothing to do with anyone's description or anyone's judgment or anyone's expectation. Purely the simple sense of your own body outside of any context was actually when um, I started masturbating. But it wasn't actually just masturbating. Now, this it's a weird story. That's why I said trigger warning. It's kind of, you know, it gets weird, right? But I'm fairly comfortable talking about it now because it was a long time ago. But it is relatively weird. And I can see a lot of people being super, super uncomfortable with this. So, you know, just uh, just another warning there. Our dad used to get us Kinder Surprise. Kinder Surprise. And Kinder Surprise is a chocolate egg that has a little yellow plastic uh, small container inside of it with a toy and this container has changed the design over the years but I think it's always been yellow and and quite bendy plastic quite flexible plastic and you sort of uh, you push it in the middle and then it pops open right and then you can close it again it clicks right Um, so it's quite a small plasticky thing and at one point I just ended up putting that plastic thing in my underwear and it seemed as though I was just masturbating with it, but I think it was more than that. Without any, you know, so-called doctrine, trans uh, agenda or anything, I essentially devised a packing mechanism, which is for trans guys, packing is anything that you put in your underwear so that you can see that you've got a penis. It can just be a sock or it can be an actual prosthetic. But without any clue without any freaking idea about any of it any of that because some people say oh well you know you give people ideas and it's like 
No, no, it's the other way around. You, the internal sense makes you seek these things out. And without any formal awareness or knowledge of anything, I somehow was was drawn to taking this round plastic thing and putting it in my underwear. And I think the feeling of then having the right thing in my underwear made that experience extremely validating and pleasurable beyond simply masturbating. Because if it was just masturbating, I would have just touched myself directly. There was no need to put something in my underwear, you know. So that indirect touch, I think, was actually me having that feeling of something being there that I was touching. So I think, I think now that I think about it, it's very clear and it's just, it's just so crazy to think about. Bear with, bear with. <laughs> I've got a, a list of things here, but it's just, it's hard to really delve back into such early memories. You really do take a trip down memory lane and it's difficult to come back out of it or to take a trip to like a sideways lane. So I'm just going through this. Um, yeah, I could... Obviously, there is there is a developmental homology between the clitoris and the penis. So I think when people are told about this, they might think, oh, let me look at it in a different way or let me experiment with it in a different way. But there's a difference between intellectually thinking, oh, that's what it is, and viscerally, instinctually feeling it. And for me, that was extremely strong. There was no reason to think that. There was no knowledge of it. I still find it hilarious that a bunch of... Uh, a bunch of guys thought that they were responsible for teaching everyone about the clitoris. <laughs> it's like, it's a bit like the first episode on this podcast of me talking about black people. It's like, well, who are, you know, who are you to talk about that? N not really the most qualified person ever. Um, because obviously women would have had more than enough experiences themselves with it. And some... You know, it's a bit like a kid walks into a lecture and is like, la, la, la. And it's like, no, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. You're making a fool of yourself. <laughs> but they were so serious, weren't they? They were very serious. It's just crazy. Just the height of arrogance, really. But, be, you know, never mind that. So I, there was no, I had no, no understanding of anything. There was no YouTube video about it. There was no Wikipedia page. So... The only thing I had was just literally my physical experience and my raw existence, my living state. And that informed me quite reliably that this was my dick, basically. I don't know if a lot of cis women have the same experience by way of it being physically homologous or whether I had more of a stronger experience because for me I ex expecting I expected that to actually be a penis but my insight that 
that could have been a penis because developmentally that is actually how he goes I think is just such a pure sign a pure expression of an instinctual built in very strong primal visceral experience that is absolutely unrelated to any outside influence now let me move on to a lucid dream that I had. I do. Rem- I have had lucid dreams. Not many, but I have had lucid dreams. I remember the very first lucid dream I ever had was. It was it was winter time and it was snowing, um, and I was I was sledging down this snowy hill, uh, down the hill really fast, like I was almost flying, and that's when I realized that I was aware that I was dreaming and I thought okay let me make anything happen because when you're lucid dreaming you can literally create any experience and so I thought I'm just gonna go down this hill really fast and so I went really fast it was just such such an innocent thing because as a grown-up if you have a lucid dream you usually go for more extreme things that you, you for some reason you couldn't experience in real life all I wanted in my first lucid dream was just to go down the hill really fast <laughs> um, so it wasn't my first lucid dream that, ha- that had this trans related experience content it, it was I think probably my second lucid dream very simple I was in some public place with a bunch of stores and I was sat on a toilet and then I stood up turned around grew a dick and peed standing <laughs> very basic but it was a lucid dream i created that in my head in the dream and i was so brought to life by the experience of seeing that happening and it sounds Ridiculous. I mean, peeing is a pretty insignificant thing, but it, for me, it tied into the autonomy of my own body and the associated experiences that I was denied. And of course, that's a much more powerful thing than just simply the act itself. And what blows my mind is that Eventually, when I do get bottom surgery, there will be a moment, there will be a moment, a real, real moment in reality when I will do just that. And I know, I know to other people this sounds absolutely insignificant, but you need to understand the meaning of it and the extended implications of it that have colored every second of every day of my life. And it's probably impossible really to understand that unless you've gone through it yourself. I know that that moment in reality that will happen for real will be especially 
indescribably momentous because I had that dream, that lucid dream when I was a kid. So it kind of makes you feel like actually does time go from the past to the future or maybe sometimes the other way around. I think it's a theme in a lot of very cool sci-fi movies that explore the meaning of time and symbolism and messages and things like that. But I'm not going to go into that. But, I do, you know, I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. And I don't think cis women go through that, okay? <laughs> I think it's safe to say that, um, you know, people who actually feel female do not go through any of that. Uh, this was a fun game that my sister and I used to play, probably a lot of kids do, where there's the, the gold goldfish that grants you three wishes or some animal that grants you wishes, you know, and you think, okay, what is your, you know, what is your biggest wish or what are your top three biggest wishes? And my sister and I always went for the pretty stereotypical huge house with like bags of gold and money. <laughs> And we had three wishes, and I'd ask my sister, what what do you wish for? My first wish is this, my second one is this, my third one is this. And we'd ask, we'd do this multiple times to see if we changed our mind. You know, what about now? You know, what what would you go for now? And before the bags of gold and the houses, you know, I always said, my first wish is to be a boy. And it blows my mind, because if someone did that today... It would at least make you think. It would make you be like, oh, okay, where's this coming from? And looking back, there were quite a lot of signs from me, for sure. And this would have definitely been a big one. It's like, okay, I want the big house and the money and this and that. But first, I need to be a boy. (laughs) First, I want to be a boy. Obviously, that has to come first. Because I'm not going to enjoy anything else if I don't have myself to begin with. Now, I think the last one that I am going to cover is to do, actually, to do with puberty and, you know, developing the female things. You know, so far this was just a sort of a, a child, child level thing, and and this was kind of moving on to a adolescence part where, just theoretically, I remember thinking, talking to my sister about puberty, and thinking, oh, you know, this is going to happen to us, and this is going to happen to us, and I remember thinking, okay, obviously part of puberty is to develop breasts. But for some reason, I couldn't imagine that for myself. I knew intellectually, I should. this is what's going to happen. This is what I should expect. But for some reason, it's like that thing was not part of my brain map. I tried to picture boobs on myself and I thought, I can't imagine that. I just, I can't see it. Like, it would just feel alien. <laughs> like, I can't imagine that being the case. And thankfully, I ended up developing quite small boobs. So that was somewhat manageable. Um, 
and at the at the sort of same time i remember being out and about before puberty and being topless and just playing around and i remember having a moment of nostalgia like reverse nostalgia there's probably a word for it let me know if you know it because that'll be a good word like reverse nostalgia where i thought this is so great i am so reverse nostalgia I'm so reverse nostalgic about how this is no longer going to be an option when I go through puberty. And I just had a moment of sadness to myself. <laughs> oh, bless me. Bless my little heart. And I remember at the first time I got my period and... It's probably kind of a big deal for everyone because it is kind of a big deal in itself. It's a pretty crazy thing to happen to anyone, I imagine. You know, pretty insane thing, generally speaking, especially when you're very young. You know, when you're 10, 11, it, it's just too much, really. It's a lot to go through. And I remember it was at night and we had been to some friend's house in the evening and we had a good time and then we came back home. When I went to the toilet and then I didn't even look at my underwear that was completely bloody, but I just didn't even, I didn't even notice. <laughs> it was only when I wiped and then I noticed there was blood everywhere. I was like, oh, shit, you know, and I was aware of it. So he was like, okay, well, I guess it happened. <laughs> so I was like, mom, which reminds me when my sister got hers, she didn't tell anyone. She didn't tell anyone. We didn't know for months. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, I got my period, like, you know, six months ago. I was like, what? It's like, how do we not know about that? But when I got mine, I just was like, mom. It, it was like, it was like it didn't even happen to me. Like, I wasn't even part of that situation. Like, it was just an event, and I, I was just not part of it. Um, so my mother came in, and she just gave me a pad and was like, you're now a woman. And I was like, pretty much the worst thing you could say. A, because I was trans, obviously, but B, also because I was so young. And it's like, you can't tell a kid, oh, you're now a woman. It's just like so ominous and sexualized and weird. And having a period does not make you an adult, nor a woman. So don't, don't tell children that shit. Jesus Christ, man, honestly. Oh, seriously, it's cringy. I almost feel like, you know, biology kind of forces that on people. Uh, in, a, in a way um, I just know that the biology of men would have felt a lot more comfortable for me to have that forced on me I would have probably enjoyed that quite a lot um, than the female puberty and so I went back to my bedroom to go to sleep I just I had this like tiny miniature guitar in a corner and I remember just being really, like, sad and just picking up the guitar and just kind of... I couldn't play the guitar. I can't play the guitar. But in that moment, I just kind of strummed that guitar and just had this, like, moment of sadness. Like, oh, this is sad. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Now that I think about it, it just actually makes me sad because, like, I feel a lot better now. Honestly, I feel like I've come out of a lot of that. 
there's still a lot of stuff that I haven't come out of. But I've come out of of enough to kind of, you know, feel reasonably okay. But thinking back to those things, it's just, you know, I just I just thought, how how is any of that something that most people go through? How is any of that external? It's not. It's actually very internal and it's very physical and very instinctual and very biological. And it does not need any... It, I mean, this is so funny. If all it took for people to change their mind is a nice ad or some glitzy celebrity or some shit like that, how would someone with a female body brought up as a girl with no inkling of even the concept of LGBT, how would that person, how would that person feel male? In any capacity. How would someone have such a strong male identity that even having a female body, even going through female experiences, even being treated as female, how? How would that basic, simple, tiny seed in someone's back of their mind be so powerful as to somehow make them figure it out eventually, make them reject everything that's coming from society to come right back to their truth. That would have to be a pretty strong thing, huh? That would have to be a pretty solid, embedded thing, wouldn't it? And I think it's similar for gay people. If sexual orientation is just a matter of marketing, hey, be gay, we'll give you Oreos. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you... <laughs> the sheer ignorance. Do you have any idea the trauma of navigating life as the wrong sex? Do you have any idea what that does to your identity to your sexuality, to your relationships, to your sanity. No, you don't. If you think it's about fucking Oreos, if you think it's about feminism, it's about getting paid more, it's about swinging your dick around, no, it's not. It is fucking raw. It is so much rawer than that. And it is so real that you can create the perfect bubble. You can not talk about it. Switch off the Wi-Fi. Construct an alternate reality. And these seeds will find a way to their light and they will grow. Did you know anthrax spores are indestructible? You can blitz them, you can, you can do whatever you want to do with them. They're indestructible. I think they are the most indestructible biological thing. Uh, probably alongside um, tardigades, probably. But anthrax spores are literally indestructible. So the point is, 
don't be distracted by this fluffy bullshit. You know what? If someone, if someone is going to come through all of that adversity and, and ultimately brainwashing that intentionally or unintentionally is there in their development and when they're kids and growing up in the world, in whatever world they end up growing up in, if that is so strong that it finds a way through that, then you better believe it. Okay, thanks for listening. See you next time.